Welcome to the latest episode of The Chris White Show, a podcast dedicated to helping small to medium-sized business owners and anyone looking to make the entrepreneurial leap. A little about me, your host, Chris White. I'm an entrepreneur based in Brooklyn, New York. I currently own two companies, a boutique digital agency called Sneakers and a staffing and recruiting firm, Rad Hires. But enough about me, I'd like to introduce my latest guest, James Kirkby, founder of Kirkby Consulting, who is based on the other side of the pond in Germany. He owns and operates a boutique Shopify agency focused on conversion rate optimization for e-commerce companies. Uh, he's based again in a little tiny town, it sounds like in Germany, called Cologne. Is that how you pronounce it? Hopefully it's cl- like close it to Cologne. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> near Cologne. But they service clients in the US, Germany, and the UK. His business has been featured in Business Insider and OMR, Europe's largest tech conference. And other than other than that, he's into coding and long distance biking. Now you might be asking yourself, what the heck is Shopify conversion rate optimization? Uh, listen in as James demystifies conversion rate optimization and provides some invaluable tips on how to make money, make more money with your Shopify store. And you can find out more about Kirkby Consulting at kirkbyconsulting.com. James, so great to have you on the show. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. I wanted to jump right in. Uh, you're, you're a younger guy, which I love. Uh, probably one of my, may, if I do have regrets, it would be that I didn't start business sooner. I think, you know, it just takes time and what I call reps, you know, you got to get the reps in just like anything else. And the younger you start, the more time you got to get the reps in. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to understand a little bit more about uh, your business journey, you know, like what's, what's your favorite success quote? Uh, you know, as an entrepreneur. So being a bit younger, actually, I might have a bit of a different uh, kind of guy that I picked out for this. So I don't know if you know him, he's uh, Ryan Serhand off Million Dollar Listing. So the reality oh, wow. show, right? <laughs> he's written like two different success books. So my favorite quote is, um, everyone has the same 1400 minutes a day. Wow. Yeah. Let's hear more about that. I definitely want to hear about that. That's cool. <laughs> So basically, it's a it's a um, really cool quote, I think, because it reminds you that um, everyone, no matter how successful they are, they have the same time in each day, right? So um, mm. no matter how successful you are, how far along in your journey you are, you always have the same amount of time. So it's just a matter of how do you prioritize your day to get the most done and get the most successful stuff done. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> like you look at, like I look at like he's a bit of a nut, but like Elon Musk, it's like. Like, how is this guy like running like, like SpaceX, like Twitter, you know, like Tesla? It's like, what? Like, you know, and then uh, I think he's got a biography coming out. I mean, like Tesla was on the brink, you know, in like 2017, maybe 18, like things were not going well, like billions of dollars, like, you know, flushed down the tube and like somehow he turned that around. Like, yeah, but I think about that a lot because, you know, I'm like, well, what if you were president in the United States? Like, you know, like, what would your what would your day be like? Like you've only got 24 hours in the day. Like there's every day, like just something's going horribly wrong, like (laughs) somewhere like in the U S and like, you've only got like 24 hours and you might want to, I don't know, go eat dinner. (laughs) It's like, how does that work? (laughs) Well, I guess the key to it, probably no matter if you're president or if you're running a company is basically you have to outsource everything else. So you can get to do the stuff you want to do. Right. (laughs) Having someone handle the prices and then go eat dinner. Yeah. Yeah, like people think being president of the U.S. is like like amazing, but it's like you, you get paid nothing. Like you know, it's 
you only have the worst problems like to deal with, you know, and uh, it's it's grueling and you don't really have that much power either. But anywho, you know, I, I could go on about politics, but uh, no, I, I love that. Uh, I definitely take that to heart. I try to schedule my day like by the half hour, you know, like block out time in my calendar to do stuff, uh, you know, especially longer term stuff. Otherwise, like it's just you'll never you'll never get it done. Um, but again, given that you're a young guy, like, like, I want to ask you about failure. Like what, you know, how long have you been in it, you know, doing a uh, business and been an entrepreneur and like within that time, like, what would you say has been one of your bigger failures as an entrepreneur? So I've been doing this for, I think five years now. So I started when I was, uh, 19, right? Yeah. We, we, I've always been building Shopify stores. So I started building them for myself and now I'm doing it as an agency and mm -hmm. but this is my third time doing it as an agency so my first two agencies were exactly <laughs> the same just with a different angle <laughs> they failed right so i'm trying to put my head through a brick wall basically and just doing it as often as possible until it works <laughs> like i said you got to get the reps in that's that's what i'm saying like you, you're not you're probably not going to get it right like what what happened with those first one or two like, like attempts so the first one, I just didn't think about how to acquire customers, right? I just sort of mm. I made a website and said I do Shopify websites, and then I was surprised that nobody nobody bought anything. Nobody came to my <laughs> website. Nobody was buying anything. <laughs> so that failed for a lack of customers. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the the second time around, I did it with uh, with two friends of mine, and um, we didn't really talk about what we wanted to achieve, like what our goals were, and then we had a mm. bit of a different vision where we we're going. Mm. And what ended up happening basically is that we all had different ideas for what we were doing. So um, basically, we all ran in different directions, and that caused the company to fail. Mm. Oh man, these are legendary mistakes, James. <laughs> legendary, <laughs> like, like I, I tell. I tell people I work with or advise or clients like build it and they may not come or they will probably will not come. Like you have to market, you know, or like I, I do some work with startups, you know, or like somebody wants to build a digital product and, or like maybe you want to launch an e-commerce store. It's like, okay, you built this thing. Like, how's anybody going to find it? Like there's so many stores, there's so many apps, so many services out there. Like you've got to be like just, all about like getting the word out for your service um and then partnering is hard man you know like i think um i had a partner very early on when i started sneakers and then he got busy doing stuff and i sort of felt right away you know like all right i'm, I'm trying to get busier i'm trying to get like do the work you know and and it was cool you know it's just like all right looks like you know you're just busy doing other stuff i'm gonna try and take this and run with it gave him a little cash you know and just like took things over but yeah, I've, I don't know if I've been scarred by that, like since then in terms of trying to bring on a partner, I've just been solo, you know, since that time, but it is really difficult to get alignment, you know, and, and if you try to equally split the profits too, that gets tricky because it's just like, well, I'm, somebody's going to be doing a lot more work than, than everybody else, you know, it's just inevitable. And that person's going to feel taken advantage of, you know, it's, it's really hard. Like I, I, I definitely tip my hat to especially digital agencies where like a couple co-founders started it, you know, um, you don't often see, see ones that work right. Most of the time they end up failing exactly for the reasons you said. And it's also like the number one thing people tell you like as advice, if you ruin your cap table, that's the worst thing that can happen. Then you can't fix the business afterwards anymore. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's like talk about that a little bit. So you had you, you tried to launch your own store. What were you trying to sell with your store, by the way? Um, uh, t-shirts, print-on-demand T-shirts. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> <The> number <Okay>. one. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the worst is. e-commerce idea you can have. It was like 2016 or something, and then I was just yeah. All right. As one does, right? Yeah. yeah, as one does. I love it. As one does. Um, and, but like, uh, and then you're like, what What were you and your partners trying to do? Oh, so that was an agency. So um, when oh, I was working okay. with my partners, that was actually doing the same we're doing now. Before that, I launched my own Shopify stores on my own. So mm. I've had, I think, three or four Shopify stores. They all failed. Then I had two agencies they failed and now I'm on my third agency trying to work <laughs> things out <laughs> what uh like what was that like sort of eureka moment for you though like like was there a moment where you're like well there there's something here like I can definitely like take this and run with it you know does that make sense yeah I guess I guess the first time we actually I started talking to people and acquiring customers and then realizing that you could help them in a consistent way, doing the same services for each and everyone over and over again. Mm-hmm. So you can see it's like not just luck, but it's actually a repeatable kind of service you can do for people to help them out. And that's mm-hmm. like the moment when it clicked that then it becomes a, a math formula, right? Because you just need to acquire new people, do the same thing for them, and that equals profit for you and for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's that's amazing. Um, what do you see? Like, what do you see evolving? Like, like where do you see e-commerce like five to ten years from now? Like, what what do you think e-commerce is going to look like? And you know, Shop Shopify has been around a while, right? What is it? Maybe has it been like ten years, or it's at least yeah, yeah, right? Longer, like, I think actually, two th- like almost twenty years, honestly. But they, is it they, really? okay? Yeah, yeah. Are there like do you see things happening? Like, is there going to be like, like everybody thought, like, I always thought nothing would ever replace Google. And then I don't know, like chat GPT comes along. And you're like, wow, maybe something could replace Google. Shopify, like just became like building an e-commerce site before Shopify, right. was like a bloody, like it was a mess. Like it was complicated. Shopify was like the first thing that I ever saw was like, wow, this is me. It really makes checkout like logistics delivery, you know, so much easier. Still a lot of work, but at least all in one package do you see like a next generation of e-commerce like solutions that are starting to come around like that would replace something like shopify like i don't i'm just i'm just really curious about that honestly i think it's actually it's maybe not something new but rather sort of a reversion to more marketplace models so similar to what amazon does so shopify Mm -hmm. is trying to build their own marketplace they have shopify shop which is like a marketplace for shopify vendors basically and seeing like in this economic downturn um lots of d2c stores started to fail right so um lots of people are trying to revert back to marketplaces, selling on marketplaces so i think Mm. the d2c model at least at high valuations i don't know if that's a sustainable one for the future it still has to prove itself so i think it's going to be like an interesting thing to see does commerce go back to more like larger amazon type things and larger stores or um can like the d2c i'm selling direct to consumers i'm running facebook ads can that model work long term Mm. so they're almost doing more of like an etsy type model yeah in a way yeah Hmm. interesting because i think they they make the shop i have the shop app on my phone 
which I really like actually like for anybody out there, if you don't have it, you, you should go get it. It's one of the best apps I've seen where, you know, it's like you connect your email inboxes, your Amazon account, and you can see like all your deliveries in what I've never shopped from it, but at least like, I love being able to see like all my e-commerce deliveries, like in one place, in one app, which, so I, I loved what they were doing there. But I think, is that, is that really going back? Is that because of what you experienced where it's, you know, it's really hard to, it can be hard to launch a store and like be successful on your own. So I think the, the, the issue is that uh, most e-commerce businesses are really easy to clone. So in the end, it becomes like who's the better storyteller and uh, who's the price leader, honestly, in comparable products. And the price leader will always be someone selling on a marketplace. And the best storytellers are only like a select few and they can run D2C stores. But everyone else who is not a good storyteller and not a price leader, their stores tend to fail because Facebook ads get more expensive um, and then it doesn't, it's not profitable mm. anymore to run your own D2C store. So then you mm. revert back to selling on eBay, on Amazon, on the shop marketplace, for example. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I want to dive in. I want to dive into, you know, conversion rate optimization or what we call, you know, CRO. And, you know, I would never claim to know much about it. Uh, you know, uh, I've done some e-commerce work with clients. Uh, you know, I've used a lot of e-commerce stores. But, you know, how do you explain conversion rate optimization to somebody who doesn't even have a Shopify store? Like what, how, how do you, how do you help them understand that? Well, I like to, I like to um, make an analogy to, to actually offline retail, because imagine you walk into a, uh, into a shoe store and um, the door is broken, the lights are off, there's no shoes in the, <laughs> in the store, <laughs> there's no attendant to help you. Uh, you're not going to buy anything, right? So, and obviously, <laughs> if you apply if you apply common sense to that problem, you'd know what you need to do to fix. And exactly the same is the case for an online store, right? So, <laughs> if you make your products hard to find, if there's no one to help you out, if you have a question, if you can't pay, then people are not going to buy. So, in a nutshell, it's basically applying common sense principles like that to a website. Yeah, amazing. Um... So along those lines, what are, I don't, you know, if you had to say the top three things that people just seem to always get wrong, you know, with their Shopify stores, you know, what, what does that look like, you know, for you? Like, what, what are like the main things that you're looking for when you're first like working with a new customer and looking at a new site? That actually ties back to what you said earlier about acquisition. Um, so it's the hmm. same for e-commerce businesses, right? Because, um, the first thing you think about should be what's my story I'm going to tell and what's my acquisition strategy look like. And that informs how your website is going to be built because you're trying mm. to tell a certain story to a certain audience and they want to see a certain website to support that story you're telling. So that is really the first thing you should do. And most store owners don't do that. They source a cool product, they build a store, and then they think about, okay, how do we sell this to people? So, so like with, like, let's assume that like you've, you've sort of nailed that story. Like, what does that mean? Like, like what's the first thing somebody needs to see then when they come to your site, right? Or, and, or do you think about that differently on mobile versus, I never thought about this, but is that different on mobile versus desktop or? Um, it is definitely different on mobile versus desktop because people are in different life situations while browsing on those two, um, 
variants, right? So on a desktop, people are in an office, they have maybe more time to think about it. They're in a well-lit room and on mobile, they're probably either they're sitting in a car, they're sitting on the couch in the evening. So it's a different browsing experience. And so you need to think about what mind space is the consumer in when he comes through different devices. Um, A more important thing is though, to, to think which pages do we send people to when they land on my page? Because you don't want to send everyone to the homepage if your ads are telling a different story, right? So if you're running a thematic Facebook ad around Christmas, you don't want to send people to a generic homepage. You want to send them to something that is more Christmas themed, for example. Mm. So, and that, that's also something that most e-commerce owners don't think about is sort of what's the on-page funnel that I send people through and do they get all the information they need in this funnel? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so it's kind of, you know, it's sort of like, you know, having the right kind of, if you're running a very targeted campaign, like have a landing page or something like something that aligns with that specific campaign. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But if you're like, let's say you're mar- marketing a specific product, you know, or you sell jewelry and I don't know, you're running an ad for your new ring that you launched. Like, are you just trying to direct people directly to the buy that like page for that ring or are you trying to send them somewhere else that depends what your strategy is right but presuming so if you have a d2c jewelry company you're going to have to tell a story around why the jewelry is so special otherwise nobody will buy they'll buy off amazon or go Ah. to like a brand name retailer and that's where the issue starts right because then you need a landing page explaining that story you can't just send people to a generic product page so that's why all of these things tie in together and you really need to think about the storytelling first and that informs your web design later on. Because mm. people like in that case, like like if your rings are made by hand or something like that, like that that could be a big selling point for people, right? Like exactly. you would want to or, feature maybe like your ring making process, you're saying, or something like that. Sustainably sourced gold, for example, or yeah, handmade, as you said. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's that's amazing. Um what like, do you see for most stores, uh, does most of their revenue come from like, say two or three items? Like, is it like sort of the like 20, 80% rule, you know, is, you know what I mean? Like is 80% of their revenue coming from like 20% of their products? Is that like common? There's two different ones actually. So that's, that's the most common one that you have like the 80, 20 principle and you have uh, 20% of the products doing 80% of the revenue. And then you have um, the case where they have they sell a loss leader, and the loss leader is the most bought product. And so a product that they make, they don't make any profit on when they sell to a first-time buyer. And then they upsell them later down the process with different, more niche-type products, right? So hmm. um, classic example is for uh, they they sell like a I don't know they sell some type type of gadget that they sell add-ons for, right? And then the gadget they don't make any profit on, and then you buy the add-ons later on. Or you buy, I don't know, you buy a coffee machine that's used like disposable coffee pots, for example. They have the loss leader. They don't make any profit on the machine. And then they upsell you the um, the coffee later on, for example. Mm. So that's the other common model there is. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, I, yeah, I never even. So it's, it's sort of like a lead magnet, you know, kind of thing. Exactly. Like yeah. a lead magnet concept. Cool. Cool. I, I've, been, I've been on acquisition.com, man. I've been... Uh, Learning all about uh, lead, more about lead magnet lead magnets, uh, but it's interesting to hear that like even e- e-commerce stores do that kind of stuff. I would have never even like necessarily thought about that. Um, it's 
the same principles apply, right? It's, it's across all businesses because you're you're selling to the same kind of people, right? And then the same marketing tactics apply. Mm-hmm. Now, now, as I'm thinking about some of that stuff, I'm thinking about like, say, like revenue. Is there, in your experience, like a revenue number where, and obviously a lot of these businesses are different, you know, they're selling different kinds of products. But is there like sort of like a threshold that like a D to C like Shopify site needs to hit revenue wise where you start to see maybe, maybe it's not like crazy growth, but at least some level of sustainability where, okay, this, this, this store has this store and its product line has like a real running shot here at like survival. Is there like a threshold there that you commonly see? Does that question make sense? Yeah. So I think you have to hit or cross $50,000 a month in revenue to sort of really save proven product market fit. It depends on the average order value, obviously. So if it's like they're selling furniture, they'll get to that number quicker, but that's like a good average number. I'd say to say, if you managed it for three or four months to achieve that kind of revenue without losing money on ads, obviously, um, then I think you can safely say that you've got some type of traction that you can build on. So that's essentially like a, like a half million dollar a year, like Shopify store, like annual revenue wise, basically like that's a good benchmark for people. That's amazing. That's, that's, yeah, that's, and then like, what, like, what's the profit margin like on a store like that? Like, like what is the take home profit for somebody who's running a $500,000 a year? Like generally speaking, like in percentages, like, like, what does that look like? And I only ask because like, I've never had a Shopify store. I, I have no idea. Like I'm clueless. <laughs> so, so there's there's two components to that question. You can, if you muck up your margin in the sourcing process, then you don't stand a chance because there's stores that have like 20% gross margins just from sourcing right before advertising costs or anything. And then you've mucked up the mm. whole thing already and you need to start again, right? Because then advertising mm. costs factor in and then you'll be selling at a loss all of the time. Um, usually you'll see like after advertising costs people having like margins between like 15 and 25 percent would be considered healthy so very low compared to like an agency model or something um but i've seen stores before that were running on like two percent profit margin it's Hmm. not uncommon wow wow and like like let's go back to that let's let's dig a little deeper on this i'm I'm really curious um like so if you know if a store is doing 50,000 a month in revenue, what is their advertising spend per month? Depends which channel they're on, right? Because if they have, so if you have a product that people search for, my go-to would be start with Google ads and they tend to be quite a bit cheaper than Facebook ads, running discovery Facebook ads. Um, But probably you're going to be around, I don't know, probably six or $7,000 in ad spend a month to to get to that number. It depends again on what you're selling, but that's like an average, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty, yeah. Like I came across, um, I can't remember where, but it was sort of like, you know, a lot of like bigger companies, they basically spend probably five to 10% of their revenue on marketing, like consistently, you know, and like that seems to be regardless of what business you're in, like sort of some sort of benchmark, you know, of like trying to get to that 5% and or starting the budget for that. So this is like pretty big business. So like if you, you know, if you're going to launch a $500,000 store, 
like what kind of money are you trying to bring to the table to like sort of get it off the ground? You know, again, I mean, if you're selling furniture or whatever, but like generally you're going to have advertising costs, like, you know, but just to like sort of, okay, my goal is to get to this $500,000 store. Like what does somebody need? Like what kind of money do they need to bring to the table to try and get something like that off the ground and like give themselves like a decent chance at success? Less than you'd expect, actually. So okay. in Germany, if you want to start a limited, you need um, you need um, at least 25,000 in capital. And uh, that's usually like the amount that you'd say that you'd need to get that kind of stuff up and running. Because the beauty of online advertising is obviously you can get, um, you can pay after the ads have already been served. And you can also pay your suppliers after the ads have been served and you've started selling. So if you're really good and you hit a home run, you can capture revenue before you've actually spent hardly any of your money and that's the the thing you're trying to go for if you have real product market fit and you run good ads then you can like invest i don't know like 10 15,000 up front and then sort of pre-sale start going into well no not pre-sale so oh. there's lots of suppliers will invoice you after they've delivered the um the stuff you're selling basically and then um if you manage to turn the inventory over quick enough, you can gather the revenue, or capture the revenue before you have to pay your um, supplier. Mm. Right. So you can pay your supplier and your advertising costs. If you put them on a credit card, for example, you can pay after you've already captured the revenue. If mm -hmm. you're good. Yeah. And that's oh, wow. what a lot of good D2C companies do. Ah, wow. Yeah. So you've got to play like the spread on the money as well. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what, um, like if there's one actionable thing you could give to like just any Shopify site owner today, I don't know, something basic, I don't know, anything that you just, again, commonly see, but like something that they could go do on their store today. Is there like just something you can think of that again, you just can't help but notice when people I'll are go doing for a, I'll go for a really basic one. Add a call to action to each page of your site because that's not something that Shopify does for you. Make sure every page has a call to action sending like to your buy best sellers. Like, like, like a buy button, like a go to this category now, go shop our best sellers, something like that. Uh, and I see it time and time again where people don't have one on the homepage slideshow at the top. There's just no button, nothing to click. Wow. Wow. Please check that. <laughs> <laughs> That, hey, back to basics, man. Just you gotta get, yeah. you gotta ask them to buy. Ask them to buy. That's what it's all about. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, this was an awesome, James. And uh, I know we have maybe a, a couple technical hip hiccups. Hopefully, everything is good with the audio. I'll, I'll be sure to check that. Um, but no, this has been invaluable. Uh, I think a lot of folks who have Shopify stores or are thinking about launching a Shopify store will come away with just like a lot of actionable tips and advice. So can't thank you enough uh, for having you on the show. And, uh, you know, sort of last question for you would be, you know, like what, what is, you know, sort of your daily success plan? Like what has made you successful at this point? Like, do you have a way that you like to start your day and structure your day? And it, do you feel like that plays a big part for you as a successful entrepreneur? So I have a, a blocker in my calendar from 7am to 9am, which is called outreach. And it can be anything, but uh, it has to be outreach related. So it has to be connecting with new people, sending new emails, following up on other cold emails, for example, um, 
can even be like calling people that I've talked to before, just sort of being sure. consistent with speaking to new people, getting myself and my business in front of new faces. And mm -hmm. that's enough to gain enough traction over months to always have like a full lead pipeline, basically. And that's what keeps your business alive at the end. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah, man. Lead generation. Never. I like my last episode, my buddy Tom was, uh, we talked a lot about uh, you're, you're, when you're, uh, when you start a business, you're basically, your job is lead generation, you know? And uh, I didn't always appreciate that enough early on, or sometimes you get busy with work, but it, you gotta, you gotta do your best to just like block off the time and be consistent with like lead, whatever it is. Like if you're running ads or you're doing prospecting or cold calling, like, like it doesn't matter what it is following up with potential leads, you know, you've got to dedicate consistent time to that. So I love that. I love that, man. Um, but no, thank you so much again, James. Uh, really great to have you on your show, brother. And uh, I'll get this uh, episode published pretty soon. So let's keep it cool. rocking. Thanks, buddy. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure.